Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Today, David Morrison and I get into some Thomas Merton uh, dialogue. We use a quote about Zen and how it shapes, um, or yeah, how Zen or spiritual awakening can shape our outlook on life. It comes from the book Zen and the Birds of Appetite. Um, But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob Nettia, Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, theruined.com is a place to go for that. drcrpod.com is a place to go to find episode past episodes of this podcast dreamwalkerway.com is the place to go to pick up david's book desolate beauty the book of light and shadow you can also get a kindle of, uh, version and we have an american sign language version on youtube if you google dreamwalker way uh, if you enjoy what you're hearing please tell a friend word of mouth and social media really helps us we appreciate you and let's get into it Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Verge. Today, we are discussing how In-N-Out sucks. (laughs) David Morrison, take it away. Happy Venerado Day, sir. Thank you for your service. I would be remiss remiss if I didn't thank you for your service in the U.S. and Navy. I didn't didn't serve in in In-N-Out. Well, (laughs) we did some In-N-Out. Well, you were in in the the Navy Navy. and now you're out of the Navy. We did do some In-N-Out in the Navy. (laughs) Fucking. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you rolled your eyes. Oh, no. It's because of the noise outside. Oh. Yeah, I wasn't rolling my eyes at you. Yeah. The Steel's uh, yard guy is whacking the weeds better than whacking something else. Um, Danny West, you're back. Hey, how you doing? You left us and now you're back. We're grateful for that. Uh, you have a quote for us. Yeah. Old Tommy, old Tommy Mert. Actually, before we get into that, it dawned on me that we've never talked about that dude. Will you, can you give some background? Can you give some background about who that guy is? Yeah. Thomas Merton was a, a, uh, a monk at a, uh, monastery called Gethsemane. It's in, uh, where is it? I think it's Tennessee. Tennessee. That is correct. Tennessee or Kentucky. Uh, Actually, I think it's Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, Actually, it's the I same. It's the same place. Okay. If you've if you've been to either, it's the same. I've never been. Except to my either. cousin listening right now from Kentucky. Uh, what's up, Shalisa? <laughs> we'll disagree, but Tennessee and Kentucky are the same. But he, he was in the Trappist Order, and um, we're talking the the mid mid last century, nineteen um, fifties uh, and sixties. Uh, his books were extremely influential. Still are on the contemplative life, breaking it open, making it more accessible to uh, non-monastics like ourselves. He's a uh, formal orders kind of thing. It's Bardstown, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, right at the height of his 
writing career. He's mostly a writer. Uh, he uh, had a heart attack and died in, I think mm. it was uh, Vietnam. No, not Vietnam. Uh, somewhere. He had taken his first major trip mm. for a uh, <clears throat> Buddhist Christian dialogue mm. retreat and passed away there. Yeah. Sorry, I'm about to cough. Which is... Excuse me. Which is relevant for the quote you're going to use today yeah. for our conversation. So how did you first come across old Tommy Mert? I originally, uh, I don't remember how I found it. Maybe somebody just gave me the book. This was probably 98, 1998. Uh, I had seen quotes from him, obviously, mm-hmm. in catechism and that kind of thing. Right. Not catechism, but... Uh, Outside reading, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But someone had given me a book called Thoughts and Solitude and just picked, I remember very vividly, uh, I was in my little house, my little pink house on the far east side the of El Paso. That's in the 79936. Um, <laughs> read the introduction and was blown away. I literally threw the book across the room because I was like, <laughs> no way. How did this, how did one person get this kind of insight? And he was talking about the desert tradition mm. and thoughts and solitude and so that was my introduction i was just blown away by it and uh so yeah and just been reading them ever since i mean i, I wouldn't say i've read every book he's ever yeah. written uh but he's been very influential in that sense mm-hmm. and um when we're kicking around some uh topic ideas a few weeks ago you you had the quote we're going to use today You'd, you'd uh, come up with, and we tried to have a, a special guest for today, but that fell through. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so if you want to read the read the quote, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I was reading um, his book, uh, uh, Zen and the, and the Appetite of Fish. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I believe is the name of it. <laughs> Zen and the Birds of Appetite. <laughs> Which has that's fish it. on the cover. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's, it's close enough. No. We don't need to edit that. What's He's dead. He doesn't care. <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so I was originally looking for a documentation of his experience of having a tea ceremony with a Zen master named uh, D.T. Suzuki, a Japanese Zen master. They had been writing each other. Uh, throughout the 50s, 1950s, and finally got to meet each other mm. at Columbia University. And uh, and so Merton was getting all psyched up for this tea ceremony, he was studying it, and wanted to make sure he did the right thing. And, and in this book, talks about it being very similar to the Catholic Mass, mm. the sacredness of it, and the ritual of it. So he finally, re- and, and Suzuki at this time was like, you know, ni- in his 90s, I believe. Oh, wow. <clears throat> So it was just the two of them, uh, Suzuki's assistant set everything up and then leaves the room. And then the time comes and Merton's already pre-prepared everything in his mind, how to sip the tea and how to move, you know, the mm-hmm. the etiquette of it Go all. Go through the motions. And then Suzuki uh, snatches up his cup and just slams it down. <laughs> <laughs> and then takes it Takes it like yeah. a shot, like a good... Uh... And I couldn't find it in the book. Uh, so it was a waste of my Kindle money, but uh, <laughs> but James Finley will, will tells a story. Who was, who was one of uh, he was a novice monk at the time with Merton in the in the sixties, nineteen sixties, and um, 
And so he says that, that Merton, I guess he said this, because I, I haven't found a, a writing on it after searching, um, was that it blew the roof off for him. It just blew his mind. And, uh, and so, uh, so, yeah, so in searching for that, I found this quote, uh, which is, you know, the book is basically a dialogue between the, rela- uh, the relationship between Zen and Christianity and mm. that kind of thing. And, and so, uh, did you want me to go ahead and read mm. it? So, yeah, so this is on page 139, and he says, <clears throat> Hence the Zen saying, Before I grasped Zen, the mountains were nothing but mountains, and the rivers nothing but rivers. When I got into Zen... The mountains were no longer mountains, and the rivers no longer rivers. But when I understood Zen, the mountains were only mountains, and the rivers only rivers. So, yeah. And why, I mean, and you've told me, but why did that catch your, catch your attention? Uh, you know, yeah, especially well, because the dialogues we've already had recently on the podcast, it, that's how we got to that, or how yeah. you got to that quote from what I remember. Well, it was for me. It was in the context of the experience of spiritual phenomenon. So I'm not interested as much in the philosophy of this of contradictions. So he's the context that he's writing in is is more philosophical. He was an intellectual, uh, and so he was talking about uh, the the dualism between on one side hyper rationalism. Hmm which it was winning the day. It's the product of modernism, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You can't question it. And then the other extreme, which is, uh, he called it self-contradiction. I would call it, I guess, non-critical thinking, non-absolutely uh, subjective thinking. Uh, Ken Wilber calls it boomerism. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Lebowski pretty much sum that side up that's like your opinion man so and you know so my opinion is 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 is, is more is just as valid if not more valid than your facts mm-hmm. alternative facts so so you have these two extremes and so that's that's the context that he's talking about zen and uh christian meditation if you in his context and in ours i guess uh is to is to uh, come to that non-dual place in the middle of those and so which, which would be either uh, one would lead you to becoming mad, is what he said. Uh, like crazy? Insane, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or innocent into a new kind of innocence. And so, mm-hmm. and so for me, I was looking at it uh, in the sense of looking at supernatural and mystical phenomenon and, uh, and how do you navigate through that. Mm-hmm. You know, do you end up in, in madness or do you end up in... Uh, uh, a new kind of innocence. Uh, so, so let's say I have a, a spiritual supernatural uh, experience. My response to it is going to either be hyper rationalism that was all bullshit, and you walk away from it, but you end up in madness mm-hmm. at some at some point because you're you're denying uh, imaginative faculties. <clears throat> or you go completely into it and into the total subjectivity of it. <coughs> uh, and, um, and so you end up in madness again. Mm. So, so by that saying, you know, the, when, before I started, so you can, you can substitute it with 
uh, before I started studying Zen, got into Zen, which I'm not into Zen, so for me it would be uh, any kind of uh, a spiritual awakening, uh, a Christ awakening, uh, an, an encounter with the divine. Before I had that, the mountains and the rivers uh, were nothing more uh, than, than that. Uh, right? Is that what the mm-hmm. saying says? Uh, and then, and then when I, once I had the experience, in the middle of that experience, unpacking that experience... Um, then they're they're more than that. Yeah, they 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 grow yeah. from there. Yeah, and then once I understand it, which isn't really the, you never understand fully, but you know, I guess once you as your understanding seasoned, increases, yeah, yeah, then uh, they are only that, mm-hmm. and so so that's that's quite a nonsensical saying. Well, and, and I mean, I think for just I mean, and this is this isn't breaking news or anything because it's we've covered it pretty thoroughly on the last um couple months of podcast but that you're reconciling a lot with that with some of the supernatural stuff some of the um spiritual experiences you've had in the past and and revisiting them in the sense that um you had gone to the hyper rationalization of them and sort of um folded it into the past and and um they've been reawakened in the last six months and you um where that 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 hyper rationalization no longer works right right like it 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 um and just how you've been unpacking it so i think this this saying encapsulates that in a really beautiful way of sort of your your last six months right yeah so or, or revisiting all this stuff in the last six months right. obviously it's not just a six-month endeavor but um sort of where you've been at it at with it um and so so i guess since I, it's probably been two months now since we first talked about this how how has that helped you sort of continue unpacking some of these thoughts and ideas around um and the, the way you put it was um you know the rational side of it versus the folklore and yeah. the and the uh um myth of it yeah well I, again i think it's you know, in the, as the quote later goes on to say, uh, is that the, the choice is madness or a new kind of innocence. And mm-hmm. so I feel like that's what I want to shoot for, uh, which is a, kind of a, a renewal of the imagination, uh, to stand in that unresolved place, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be just spiritual phenomena this is our relationships this is the situation the history of your life uh we rationalize things uh we write people off we write god off um mm. you know and, and 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 you know we we only love people in our lives to the point where let, let me say it like this we we don't really love the people in our lives we love our idea of those mm. people and so, and we don't really love God. We love our right. idea of God. Yeah. Uh, and so to bust into the, that I forgot who said it, it was a medieval saint who said, we don't, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Mm, right. And so that's where it, it yeah. comes down to, you know, is, is a new kind of scene. Uh, the Christian language would be, you know, Matthew six twenty two. 
which is uh, if you look at the older translations, he said it, uh, the the body is filled with light. That's a strange mm-hmm. statement right there. You don't expect that in Gospel of Matthew. You expect it in more of a mystical gospel, Gnostic gospel like John. Mm-hmm. But Matthew, so so the 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 light is captured in the body, and and if your eye is single, that's that's a strange. Uh, if you look at modern translations, they'll say if the eye is healthy, mm. uh, then you know, then you'll see. Uh, but but the older translations are single, you know. So that's that's a strange. So in other words, not not seen in dualities, either ors, but seen in the what comes the third thing that comes out of those two contradictions. Mm. And so, so waiting and to see, you know, beholding and and uh, and look at your life again, things that you've already dismissed people that you've already dismissed because they didn't because you had a certain idea of them Mm -hmm. so so look at them again or or the other you know i'm trying to bring this back down to earth out of the philosophical into the practical uh another story would be the 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 quote-unquote sinful woman who busted into uh you know jesus was invited to a pharisee's house to eat dinner Mm -hmm. and this woman just busted in and was weeping at his feet, and they and they were like, you know, it was scandalous, mm, right? And they're like, move along, lady. Yeah, if this was a righteous man, he wouldn't let this woman touch him, right? That's what the, that's what Simon the the Pharisee says. And then Jesus says, "Look at this woman." In other words, as if he had never even looked at her. He had already mm. decided what she was. Made up. He had already or decided what mind. her reality was. He had already, which means he had decided what his own reality is, mm-hmm. and the reality of uh, the world. And the way things are, in other words, look at it again, behold it again, recollect, recollect, reconsider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it's, it's an invitation to do those kinds of things. Sorry, I'm talking too no, much. No, that's good. <clears throat> um, well, and that's, I mean, that goes back to our conversation two days ago about the examined life, right? Yeah. And how important that is. And, and um, you know, I think anyone, I was thinking about this since our conversation on Wednesday, which is funny because it's the order of the podcast is, is asked backwards because this one will come out first. So oh, I see. Uh, for anyone that's confused, tune in next week <laughs> or in two weeks. <laughs> but um, anyone that has a journaling practice knows this. Ooh, shit. You're going to have a lot of editing, Danny. <laughs> just a- Between his coughing, my banging, and <clears throat> fucking uh, weed whacker. Um, but... Uh, to put those things that you, you, you know, the, the things you've wrestled with throughout the day to put it in black and white on paper and like really look at it to be able to see like, okay, what was those thoughts I had, you know, what is real, what is bullshit. Um, and one of the things that has been helpful for me is like going back like an annual review. So, so like what's today, November 10th. So I'll go back in my journals in previous years and see, and it's funny, the things that were like bothering back, back in the moment, how insignificant they are, right? Like things that don't even cross yeah, your mind. They were so huge. And in the moment, right. Wow. And conversely, things that maybe seemed small in the moment, but have sort of stuck with you, right? And, and th- you can see um, reoccurring patterns, yeah. I guess would be a good way to put it. And so, yeah, to reconsider those things and to look at them with... Um, a year of wisdom, yeah. right? Like, um, and see, 
you know, why did that thing bother you at the time? Or why does that pattern stick with you? Or why, why does, um, cause all, all these, you know, all these things that you're talking about is it's just internal, right? The person you wrote off, it has nothing to do with that person, no. right? Um, and in fact, maybe you should write the person off, right? Like they're trying to kill you. Probably don't keep them in your house. You know what I mean? Um, or, um, you know, a, a relationship that has grown, you know, sort of, I guess, the opposite of that. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, is uh, is that, um, you know, what what is different about that in the year? You know what I mean? Why has that relationship grown? Right. Like why, why has that person become um, closer to you or more significant in your life and things of that nature? And, and, um, but it doesn't, the outside shit doesn't matter. It's, it's that internal, it's the light within, like you were talking about that you have to, to focus on because that's really, you know, it's, did you, did you say it on the podcast or no, you just said it right now that, you know, our, our interaction with the world is not what the world is. It's our, per, our yeah, perception of yeah. it. And so if you don't even know who the percept, if you can't clarify that perception of yourself, um, then it doesn't matter what, what, yeah. well, not that it doesn't matter, but, um, you can get pretty sideways on how you interact with the world, how you encounter the world and things of that nature. Yeah. Cause things are not as they appear ever, mm-hmm. you know, like the mountains, you know, you're, you're up against a mountain. If you slammed against it, you know, you would be crushed. Mm-hmm. But on another level, those are just molecules just like you that are mm-hmm. just arranged in a certain way. And it's all just energy and light at the end uh, on the other level. And, and empty space and all that kind of shit. And huge space, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And that's, yeah, and that's just basic physics. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, that hu- and that empty space will kill you. Yeah. Like you said, <laughs> and so or, or will it? Right? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. To, so it's that it's that thing where we think we've already decided. We think we already know everything, and mm-hmm. uh, and to come back to a place of of uh, unknowing, the mm. gift of unknowing, which is a very common theme in Christian mysticism and Zen, of course, uh, and uh, and all the mystical traditions mm-hmm. of other religion, you know, of different religions. So, yeah. So as you unpack the, um, this quote, what are, you know, what are the things today that are just mountains and just rivers for you today, you know, as you've, as you've unpacked some of this stuff? Well, like I said, I'll try to bring it more practical. Let's say, you know, when I have an overwhelming sense, emotionally overwhelming Mm -hmm. sense of, uh, sadness or, despair of just either events in my own life or uh, the world. You look at the world situation um, because there's that. I think we talked about that, right? Lovers in a dangerous time. How Mm -hmm. dare you feel anything good when all this. Yeah. Why do you you embrace the beauty? You and your check your privilege at the door. You know, they Mm -hmm. love to say that, right? Uh, No, you check your privilege. (laughs) You pull up your pants, Bill Cosby. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, literally, (laughs) and so to come to a realization, allow yourself to feel that. And, and it's the same with physical pain. This is how I've dealt with physical pain. I'm not saying everyone else can, mm-hmm. uh, but I've had my fair share of that. Uh, allowing the waves of pain to, to rush over and through me and then realizing they, they do go out. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing. And so I think it was James Finley again who said something like, 
The only difference between any, anyone and a mystic is that the mystic just knows that it is sadness. Mm. It is anger. It, it, you know, it's just an emotion. It's not going to, to, to define everything about you mm-hmm. forever. Uh, and so, so you see the temporary state of these things, like, like you were saying, you know, uh, when you journal. So, so, it's, so it's, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. So you allow yourself to feel this. You kind of observe yourself feeling this feeling. And then you, the feeling doesn't have that huge of a sting anymore, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of determining your entire existence in life. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. and so you do that with joy too, and ex- and ecstasy, and spirit. You know, if you have an, an amazing encounter spiritually, or see something, you know, that changes your life, uh, you just accept it for what it is, and then see what else it'll teach throughout the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So, and so uh, we've talked about this pretty regularly. So, so what you're describing. <clears throat> In a sense, it's very simplistic, right? Like, oh, don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, simplicity is the key word, actually. Well, but I'm I'm saying uh, you're simplifying it down that it, it's it's not as easy as you ju- what you what you just explained is that's not actually how you react to the world, right? Um, I'm just saying in general, people. That's oh, yeah, right, right, yeah. right. Like when you have these really low lows, right? You you're low, right? And when you have these really high highs, right? You know what what you're talking about is is more of a longer vision of it, yes, right? Like. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've talked about it. Someone came out here and had a manic experience, you know, and you, you were trying to explain to him like, no, 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 no. Like this is going to go away. Like it's good that you're having this experience, but this isn't going to be the end all, the end all be all. Yeah. Um, That's tough to navigate. Right. For sure. Because on one hand you, you're having a legitimate mm -hmm. spiritual experience. It's real. On the other hand, it triggered other things. And Mm -hmm. I've seen this. Yeah. I've seen this quite a few times. Well, and on the other side of that same coin is this idea of PTSD, right? You and I have talked about this. And so when you're, when you're in the middle of either these highs or lows, how do you try to bring it back, right? To this idea of like, this isn't going to define who, who the individual is, right? Um, Sort of what, what are some of the things you, you look to or or try to use as a, a North star, right? Um, yeah. to yeah. try to wade through those. Cause when you're in the middle of it, um, it's easy to talk about it right now. Right. But if you and I were in the middle of one of those things, yeah. this conversation would be way different, right? It would sound extremely different. So just anyone right now that's having a high, high or a low, low, yeah. you know, and, and they are identifying with it. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I would, again, don't make any major life decisions <laughs> during that time. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, having an allergic reaction to something in here. <clears throat> uh, don't, you know, t- uh, take a pause, go for a walk. That's what I usually do. I, mm. I go for a walk because that, that nervous energy, that, that, uh, the PTSD, which is usually in my case, it's, it's the feeling of adrenaline mm. pouring into my system. And what do they call it? Cortisol? Is that what they call I don't it? know. Whatever. It's can, one of those C words. I don't know. <laughs> it's almost the way that I can feel, the way it feels yeah, in, yeah. in the middle of my chest. Yeah, that makes more sense. Inside my torso is like there's a, uh, uh, remember a few years ago, there was an oil spill under the under the ocean and they had, had cameras on it mm. and everyone was watching it. Yeah. So there's just this oil spill. Yeah. This thing spewing out and they try to fix it and then 
think it took like a month for them to fix it. Yeah, Remember not, that? If not longer. Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was and awful, it was like right? thousands of gallons a minute going yeah, into the exactly. ocean. Exactly. <laughs> so this poison just, these poisonous <laughs> chemicals, I could feel them spewing out yeah. in my chest. Uh, and then, the, and then my thinking is usually uh, in, a, in an obsessive pattern. You can't shake. You're mm-hmm. like a dog chewing that rag doll, you know, like a boxer. Those are the those dogs. I had a boxer one time, and she, just chew, chew, just chew. was so obsessive, <laughs> man. Uh, one time, uh, uh, he was the other boxer was uh, was on the phone, and he was chewing really a rawhide bone so loudly, and then all of a sudden I hear this. <laughs> And then he accidentally swallowed the end of it. And he didn't know that it had, he was looking around. Where did it go? Right. It disappeared. It was in his fucking Which is why throat. we named him Farley. Because <laughs> you know, most of the Chris Farley's characters, you know, would do something like that. But anyway, um, and so, so that nervous energy can be harnessed through some sort of physical activity, mm-hmm. walking, or like I think you mentioned someone playing solitaire, uh, Something to focus your attention back, uh, or you could do contemplative prayer. Uh, that's that can be difficult for a lot of people, mm-hmm. so especially need, if you haven't practiced it. Yeah, if, if, so if you you're need, in the middle of a fucking crisis and you decide to sit in silence, yeah. it, it'll probably yeah, just add if you're to not, the. If you're not <laughs> seasoned in that, it would be very, yeah. very difficult to do. So, so you need to do something more uh, physical, probably, you know, uh, and um, and then you know what I do is. Let's say it's really intense. I, I actually have to have that dialogue. It's, you know, I guess you can call it a poor man's cognitive therapy mm. is what it is. Oh, yeah. I think we've talked about so, this, but go go through. The, yeah, I'll just acknowledge. You go through some questions, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll ask myself questions. What are you feeling? And then I'll identify that one feeling. Uh, it's almost like you're in a, in a storm and you pull out, you grab one feather that's flying around. <laughs> and this, I'm feeling this, this right now. Uh, what's causing you to feel this? And usually it's connected to, you know, usually it's a relationship conflict, right? Or, or a circumstance. So you say, this is, this is fueling this feeling, you know? And, and so you allow yourself to feel these feelings and, uh, um, you know, and, and, and by stepping away from them, they, they, they lose their, their power over you in the negative sense, mm-hmm. you know, uh, complete obsession, complete possession, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and you, but you, you definitely don't deny the feeling, mm-hmm. um, but you don't allow yourself to become possessed by it either. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just this feeling, this is what, and it will pass. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That's one of the beautiful things, you know, it, it's, you, you know, you can find a handful of, of, um, not myths, but just, uh, short story or not short stories, but just different stories about, you know, this idea of, of something passing. Right. And that's, yeah. that's one of the beautiful things in life. Um, beautiful reminders anyway, of, of like when, when you're going through some bullshit, it's going to go away. It's going to stop and go away. Yeah. But also when you're going through some great shit, <laughs> that's yeah. going to stop and go away too. One of my favorite, uh, uh, it's from a guy, Richie movie and, and it's, uh, Whenever someone's winning, they never think about losing. Yeah. But that's you know that's what you should be thinking about because that you know that the win is gonna lose is is gonna leave eventually, right? You're gonna get some distance from it, and and the the L as people say is coming. Um, and just that that constant reminder of like, oh, whatever I'm experiencing right now, that, that 
it's going to be different yeah. tomorrow. And it's not going to be, it might not be better. It might not be worse. It's just going to be different. Yeah. You know, 24 hours always make something not extremely different, but different for sure. And that's part of the cognitive therapy for me. As I tell myself, all you've ever had is this moment. Mm. I mean, I've had to tell myself this while dying in the hospital. Yeah. So that's a pretty extreme example, I guess. Right. Well, no, because I think experience with it, you know, well, and I, but I think that's, that's the entire practice, right? Yeah. The this entire, moment is all yeah, I have. The entire practice is getting ready to die, right? Like our entire life yeah. is to shape, and you've shared this multiple times that, you know, maybe we can get into a little bit, but you know, your work in and around, um, sort of walking with people to, uh, towards their death, yeah. you know, and some people do it very gracefully and some people sort of claw and, and hold on and, and yeah. aren't ready to, to take that final step across the veil. Yeah. I've seen people die in a good way and I've seen people die in not a good way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it just, I mean, I think that's, that's the practice. Yeah. We're, we're all going in that direction. You know, it's, we don't know when we, you know, we don't know what our, the hour is for us, but, um, it's common. <laughs> Yeah. And so, so I would suggest, yeah. So let's say you have a win, enjoy that. We don't even think about the loss that's coming. Uh, enjoy this win today mm-hmm. at this moment and then, you know, and then let it go, yeah. you know? Uh, and so, yeah, anyway. That, yeah. Because I mean, I, I think that's, that's the example. That's sort of the connection to death, right? Yeah. People lose and win gracefully. Sort of like you're when you die, you know what I mean? Yeah. And people lose and win ugly, you yeah. know what I mean? Or not gracefully or, you know, they hold on to whatever it is, right. you know what I mean? That You see a lot of people when they're playing victim, they hold yeah. on to the losses, right? And like yeah. those define them, you know, and then the same thing. When we talked about on Wednesday, the fucking Uncle Rico syndrome, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Of like people holding on to their, their quote unquote glory days yeah, in high yeah. school. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, okay, can you... Can you get away from that holding on of, you know, of the win or the loss, you know, because that's probably a mirror of, of um, how it, how it can come across as you're dying yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's a good practice. And then use, and so what will happen is you allow yourself to feel those negative feelings. You, you see, you witness yourself feeling those feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh and it is usually best to, to go into solitude so that you don't act out of those feelings towards mm. the people around you. Um, but sometimes you do need to talk to someone too. Mm-hmm. And so, so you need a, a non-judgmental presence, mm-hmm. someone that could, who's not going to invade you and tell you you shouldn't feel that or that those feelings don't mean anything. Uh, you know, someone that's just going to simply be a non-judgmental presence and they're not going to evade you they're not going to say mm-hmm. oh my god this guy's a psycho right i need to get him out of my life yeah <laughs> uh which so, and that will happen when you share with certain people yeah that will yeah. for sure happen yeah you know what it's i mean it's happened to me dozens and dozens yeah, yeah. of times yeah which I, in, in overshared yeah well and in the end it's a gift right like people that that yeah leave in that context it doesn't feel like it at the, at the time it hurts but yeah. at least for me when i don't want those people in my life People I can't be open and honest with, I don't want right. them in my life anyway, at, at least in an intimate way, right? Right, um, right. You know, but I have friends today that I know I can literally pick up the phone and call them and say anything to them yeah, yeah. 
And those are the people I want in my life, right? Or at least in a in a close, meaningful way. Right. Yeah. Obviously, you'll have other people in your life that, you know, there's most people in my life I can't share that stuff with. Right. Nor would, you know, nor would I. Um, but there's probably four or five people in my life that I could call right now. And, you know, whether it's serious, whether it's uh, a joke, whether, you know what I mean? Like the whole yeah. spectrum of life, right? Um, and th- like those people are the blessing in, in my mind to have those people in your life. Yeah, and it's not easy. You got to cultivate it. That's the other yeah. thing. Yeah. It's a very fortunate thing to have, which should birth some, you know, deep, deep gratitude as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, if you have that, if you have a community around you like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you and I have been sort of talking about, this podcast now, I guess, for a couple weeks. Um, in that time, like in the very recent future, what what else has this this particular quote, this particular parable, if you will, um, maybe has started sprouting, or maybe you've you've seen it in a in a newer light as we've prepared for this. If at all, it might it might yeah. not it might not at all. No, no, just to see things as they are. Uh, yeah, that's that's quite an invitation, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of also reminds me, it works on fears as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so in 2011, I think I've probably talked about this. You know, I had gone septic and uh, and was recovering. And, you know, and they, you know, and they say you have, if you recover from going the last I went to the last stage of going septic which is death uh hours away mm-hmm. and so and I don't mean to be dramatic it's, it's, it's just what it happened really yeah. did happen yeah I'm not trying to make it look yeah. like and so you have something like uh you have a very slim chance of recovering even within the next six months yeah and so I well was, statistically you're you're gonna die anyways yeah even if you survive the initial yeah you yeah. Have a, you have a slim it's a slim margin, you know. It's, what do you think? Ninety percent? I forget. March had looked it up, yeah. and it was it wasn't it was a weird number, like a fourteen percent chance of yeah. survival. Or yeah, something. it's very because I remember. Weird, I don't know how they come up with these numbers. Well, I remember the only reason I I am cognizant of it because you you had shared that with me at one point, and then I've known two or three people in the last probably six years, five or six years. Um, and not personally, but they were like one person removed. So three or four close friends had like a parent or a grandparent or yeah. an uncle go septic and, and all of them are dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they all died within like months of it happening. Yeah. Like it wasn't yeah. like they recovered and had it. Yeah. Um, you can get out of ICU in the hospital and, st- and you'll yeah. still die yeah. because your, your organs, you know, don't come back fully, mm-hmm. you know. So, so yeah, so I was in that zone, uh, you know. And so I, this was the recovery Yeah, I was at zone. home at this yeah, point. Yeah, it was yeah. about a month into, maybe less. I, it was cold, so it was between January and February. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in the hospital in January, the okay. second week around there. Uh, and, and so, you know, I guess when I was, I was having uh, brief moments of sleep paralysis, you know, where you wake up and your, your body, I think your body is... Still asleep, but your mm-hmm. mind is awake. Is mm-hmm. that what sleep paralysis? Yeah. 
And so I'd wake up, you know, just, yeah, and it's a terrifying experience mm-hmm. for, for most people. Uh, fortunately, it only lasted seconds until I realized, oh, this is just sleep paralysis. Well, and even uh, in those seconds, it can seem like a yeah. long time. Yeah. yeah, the few times it's happened to me. Yeah, and, you know, hallucinations, that kind of thing. So I was in the bathroom, you know, three in the morning and wide awake from one of those events. And this realization came to me, what if all of my deepest fears, all my ira- most irrational fears uh, because of my brain, you know, some sort of brain issue, uh, what if they all became manifest to me in, in the um, physical realm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My perception of the physical realm. So I'm sitting here in the kid with no head shows up right. and, uh, and starts talking to me. With He's like no holding mouth. it under yeah. his arm. <laughs> hey, mister. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the gray aliens are, you know, <laughs> abducting me and taking yeah. me and, and, and drilling, a, drilling my eyeball, you know, like a fire in the sky. Like, hey, we need, we need your eyeball guy. <laughs> Hand it over. They're, they're fire in the sky in my ass. <laughs> they give uh, you, you know, all a these, glass eye with the smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, an IRS agent shows up, says we're going to audit you, and he puts on a rubber glove. You, you know, all your deepest fears. Uh, uh, teenage daughter. Yeah, anyway, um, the clown, Pennywise the clown shows up. You know, all those things. So, so I was thinking, what if every night this happened? Every single night, my deepest fears, or one of them just shows up, mm-hmm. you know, in my room. And, and uh, eventually, uh, I would get so used to it that I'd become mm. friends with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'd smoke cigarettes with Pennywise the Clown or something, you know? And uh, He's like, you're really wasting my time, Morrison. Why aren't yeah. you scared anymore? <laughs> like, well, you seem like a decent fella. You know? <laughs> you're from a dark realm and all that. Good luck with all that. Hey, did you ever uh, think about not living in the sewer? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that kind of thing. You would, yeah. get, you would get used to it and uh, eventually integrate that into your life in some way mm-hmm. and, and be over it. So it just, and, and it wasn't just a realization. It wasn't just a, that was not a rationalization. That was at three in the morning after mm-hmm. a, uh, a sleep paralysis event during a recovery from a near death experience. So, yeah. so this wasn't a rational thing. It's not like you sat at your computer and typed up. Yeah, <laughs> this no. This, this was something that came from deep within yeah. the realization. Yeah. And it just kind of unplugged uh, those kinds of fears and that kind of thing. And so they it just became what it is. It's just fear. Uh, and so so I don't even have to fear fear itself, which I never understood that statement anyway. Yeah. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I, I don't get yeah. what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Anyway, well, and I think it's what you're talking about is this idea of um, because if you do, if it does become a nightly thing and you just integrate it in your life, then it's no longer going to change your actions yeah. during your waking hours, right? Like, yeah. Exactly. But when you have that, when you're gripped by fear, it causes you to change your actions, yeah. right? Or I mean, in some instances, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I think that's uh, that sort of that that realization, or as you were telling that story the the reminder to me of like all the shit we're going through is just to allow us to integrate it into our into this current moment yeah right like all those all those things that we've experienced um part of the goal i wouldn't say 100 percent of it because some of this stuff is just is just random and chaos but um is to integrate those things into okay how does that what how does that shape me 
in the here and yeah. now. You know what I mean? And, and it's not even for some time it's a conscious thing, right? But at some point, all of our experiences, how we integrate that into our today can't be a conscious thing, right? Because yeah. we just have too many. It's just too many things to consciously hold. And yeah. so as we integrate them, the good, the bad, and the indifferent, it just it just becomes part of our part of our being, part of our DNA. And um, you know, how does that help me navigate this moment, this day, this yeah. next twenty four hours? Yeah. So so you could you could kind of replace things in the quote, and you say something like, uh, you know, before my fears and dark emotions, uh, they were nothing but those. In other words, you, you just completely uh, ignore them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's nothing but fear. Who cares? No. And then when you're you know, in the awakening, which could be a near-death experience or what we talked about last, the fire is, the, the forest fire has gone across your life and all the trees are gone. The uh, transformation that occurs yeah. from it, yeah. Uh, and so then, uh, you know, my fears and dark emotions, they're, they're no longer those things. There's something else or some deeper meaning to it or something. There's some middle, some bridge yeah. you're crossing. But then there comes a point where that's all they are. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm going to engage them as only that. Uh, but I'm going to engage them. So one is non-engagement. The other is over-engagement. And the other is simple engagement, I guess. Uh, well, and, I, you know, and I'm butchering the quote, obviously. No, you know, I don't I don't think so. It's, it's Apologies to all the Zen heads out there. It's... Um, It's bringing it to a, to a a relatable place, right? Yeah. Um, which I think is important with some of these some of the things you and I talk about, because um, it really does. A lot of the stuff gets too heady, right? And it's yeah. not, at least from my perspective, it's not useful. What's useful is a yeah. is a practical spirituality. What's what's something? I mean, and you talk about it too. What's something that'll transform your life? Right. Yeah. And I'm more um, interested in, yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we can sit down and have um, interesting conversations, but it's at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, and I realize for some people, a practical spirituality isn't important to them. Right. No. They, they, they want the theoretical. They, yeah, want, they want the, the intellectual. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's fine. Yeah. It's everyone's a little bit different. But right, for me, yeah. this idea. Like when I encounter something that's not very practical in the spiritual realm, I'm not that interested in it, right? Like I understand its purpose. I understand why someone else might engage with it. But it's like what what is going to transform someone's life through this, yeah. right? And so yeah. that what well, we talked about and, and we keep fucking it up because – when we say last podcast, we mean the one in the future. So we just had this conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the, so the any t- for this particular conversation, ninety five percent of the things we've said about the last conversation is the upcoming conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's like, it's like the Beatles' new song. It was oh. the lyrics were written in nineteen seventy, <laughs> but the guitar was done in nineteen ninety four, but the vocals were done in two thousand twenty three. Wait, what? <laughs> huh? Um. But this idea of a transformational fire, right? Like, yeah, I invite the the fire and the chaos in to allow that transformation in some practical sense. Um, I invite others to embrace that, and you know, not just for the you know, like we said in the the last episode, not this Joker idea of chaos 
with yeah. chaos just for the sake of chaos, right? Yeah, yeah. But but um, for it to to shape us, to change us, to transform us, to um, inform us, um, whatever you know, whatever, because that's the thing about the the fire of transformation. We have no control over it. It's literally out of our control, right? Yeah. And so, um, how do we allow that in our life in a way that can um, just have that divine change, that divine impact in some way, shape, or form? So, I think your your rewording of that of that thing, you know, specifically around the fears. Yeah, is is very important because it's like, oh, okay, I, I, it's not you know, it's not just looking at the mountains and the river, right? It's everybody's had fear at some point in their life, yeah. right? And so it's like, okay, I can ignore it, I can embrace it, and then I can be changed by it, and it's it's just fear, it's just a fear at the end of the day. Boom. <laughs> um, did you have anything else? On your heart and mind, we have a little bit of time. I could read the last paragraph of that passage. Yeah, let's do that. So yeah, so he says the thing about Zen, and we we could just say the thing about spirituality is that it pushes contradictions to their ultimate limit where one has to choose between madness and innocence. And Zen, or uh, spiritual awakening, suggests that we may be driving toward one or the other on a cosmic scale, which Christianity for sure uh, has that kind mm-hmm. of eschatology driving toward them because one way or the other as madmen or innocents, we are already there. So it might be good to open our eyes and see. Can you read that one more time? The thing about Zen is that it pushes contradictions to their ultimate limit where one has to choose between madness and innocence. And Zen suggests that we may be driving toward one or the other on a cosmic scale. Driving toward them because one way or the other, as madmen or innocents, we are already there. Yeah. It might be good to open our eyes and see. Yeah, because bo- I think both are important. You know, that's, I mean, that's... This idea of, of innocence and being able to to embrace life as it is, um, and this idea of of, of madness, because um, that I mean that is also how life is. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of crazy shit going on, um, and not necessarily in a bad way, right? Just in a unpredictable and I mean unpredictable and chaotic way. Yeah, um, and to be able to integrate even that into your life is. Um, is a part of this journey, I think. Yeah. Booyah. You feel good? Yeah. Clearing Beautiful, up a man. little here. A little bit, yeah. A lot of dust around they stopped, the side. They stopped weed whacking out there. Um, thank you, Mr. Danny West. Thank you, sir. Does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you, Mr. Morrison. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your, your ideas and wisdom and um, uh, everything you bring to the podcast. Thank you to... Uh, Jacob Nedia, that's what you hear in the background. The old monk drums. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we would not be here without you. Uh, dreamwalkerway.com to get David's book. Uh, we should, well, I'm not going to say it on this one because that won't happen. And let's get into it. 